0: It's December 1st, 2022. This is Rook. Well, hi there, welcome to episode 220 of Rook. Dear West, can you offer more than lip service? I'm Gian Gomeshi, hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam, Dustanazis, duru Bashama. Hey, international community, can you offer more than lip service on Iran? don't get us wrong we appreciate that you're now playing along there's acknowledgments of the iranian people's fight for free expression there's even a well-received and communicated u.n special session but why does it feel like you're looking for absolution because you don't actually want to believe in the revolution why does it feel like you'll commend brave iranians for having their say but then it's back to dealings with the mullahs and the jcpoa look the iranian people are going to eventually make this revolution happen the young courageous souls of iran are on a mission to change history but will it be despite you rather than with an international blessing It was on October 4th, two months ago, that I did an opening essay in this space called Where the Hell is the Western World? At the time, it was a common frustration that despite brave young citizens led by women and girls being on the streets in Iran at the cost of their own safety and lives, the West had barely raised an eyebrow. Surely the global powers would have transformed to support by now. Well, let's see. It's been eight long, bloody weeks, and the international community has made some concern statements? Dear West, can you offer more than lip service? As thousands of Iranians are detained, sentenced to death or thrown in jail, it's becoming hard not to conclude that you're waiting for this revolution to fail. And here's a disclaimer that we don't wish to take anything away from the tireless work of Iranians and supporters in the diaspora who've been pushing the UN or government leaders or NGOs to get involved. Your important work has certainly struck a chord. But the West is still not really on board, is it? In a joint statement today, U.S. President Biden and French President Macron expressed their respect for the Iranian people. Well, that's very nice. But do you understand how the Iranian population is paying the price? Remember that common refrain after all the mass shootings in the United States that simply saying thoughts and prayers is no longer enough? Now apply that to your sweet sentiments about Iran. People rightly demand action. It's now been over 10 weeks since the Iranian uprising caught fire and by any measure the situation has become much more dire. This is not internal strife. This is not a set of protests. This is a revolution and a humanitarian crisis. In the last week alone, more than 16 people were killed by the brutal regime in Iran. As of two days ago, official reports cite at least 448 people, including 60 children and 29 women, are now dead since Massa Amini's murder. Those numbers are a bare minimum and very likely far below the actual figures. Dear West, can you offer more than lip service? Let's get specific. Has there been any major diplomatic measures taken by any Western nation? Any ambassadors recalled or embassies closed due to the situation? One thing is clear, there's been no action to date from the US Congress, no statement or resolution. Might it be time to step up for human rights? Hey Biden administration, where are you? The man that you appointed solely to carry through the JCPOA, Robert Malley, the one who's called this a protest looking for reforms? Yeah, that same guy, he's still in his position. Might we ask why? Hey, Canadian government, the IRGC is still not fully on the terrorist list, despite your strong words. Hey, major corporate leaders, you've been largely silent on this humanitarian crisis. Will you take any action for the Baluchis or the Kurds? And hey, international community. What happened to helping Iranians beat the internet crackdowns and material support for those fighting for a free nation? What happened to understanding that the way to pressure the murderous regime in Iran is to punish it with isolation? To restate and paraphrase that oft-mentioned slogan, we don't need the West to save Iran. We just need you to stop enabling this terrorist regime. Dear West, can you offer more than lip service or is that simply too extreme? On this edition of Rook, we are joined by Dr. Kayvon Mirhadi, Stress Recovery Specialist, Solmaz Bagheer, and Human Rights Advisor, Parastou Fatemi, plus the Rook Roundtable. This is Rook, episode 220, The Uprising. Dear Wes, can you offer more than lip service? We are in the Rook Studio in Toronto, coming to you on RookMedia.com. This is uh, our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Castbox. And if uh, you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube. If you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. You can subscribe on any of these platforms uh hello pega hello hello shia uh, yeah, you said. and hello daddy hello we have you back here for the rook roundtable which will commence in just a few moments i should say it's a great show looking forward to uh some fab- fabulous guests we've got coming up mm-hmm. dr k dr k von mirhadi who you manage to know as Dr. K.
1: Yeah, through his Instagram.
0: That's right. The Chief of Internal Medicine at the Clifton Springs Hospital in New, in New York, but perhaps as significantly, a major presence on uh, Instagram and online. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of, I think, rose to mm, public attention and, and I guess international fame uh, during the COVID crisis, mm-hmm. ta- helping people, uh, particularly those in, in Iran, um, through online medical advice and and thoughts and now is doing the same, but this time um, with injured folks and people who are caught in the demonstrations and who uh, need desperate medical care and cannot go to hospitals mm-hmm, yeah. because of this insane situation in Iran where if you go to a hospital, I mean, this is surely not even in wartime today. If you go to a hospital, you risk being picked up there by the authorities and arrested Mm -hmm. uh, if they find out that you're one of the demonstrators. So you may have a broken leg or a lesion or some horrible gash in your head and people are not going to the hospital. They're going taking cover somewhere and then going on Instagram to see if Dr. K can help them. You know? Yeah,
1: and not even just going to the hospital, even calling an ambulance if you happen to be in the midst of one of these protests and something awful happens, because they're using ambulances to actually take people to undisclosed locations, prisons, detention centers, and so on.
0: Really uh, happy to have Dr. K coming on the program. We've actually wanted him to be on the program for a while mm-hmm. now, and uh, it's he's doing really important work. So. He'll join us. Parastou Fatemi returns to Rook, a human rights advisor and refugee counselor in Dusseldorf, Germany. She is somebody who watches what the UN does and will get her sense of what she thought of the UN special session last week and uh, the progress that's being made there. And Solmoz Bargir will uh, kick us off in just a few moments. She's gonna come into the Rook studio, an Iranian-Canadian life coach, motivational speaker, stress recovery specialist. (laughs) which would be helpful. Uh, And Solmaz is, um, uh, she's pretty much given over her practice right now to helping for the revolution. uh, And she's been uh, posting, and it seems like she's tirelessly uh, doing this work uh, in support of the uprising. So we'll get a perspective as a life coach and as a stress recovery specialist on what she has to say. I know one of the things she says is, that there's a lot of stuff that we're consuming mm-hmm. in videos and online and all of that that we shouldn't be consuming because it's ultimately having a negative effect on our brains actually dr k is going to speak about that too i think so we're just bringing on people to tell us to stop looking so yeah. much at uh doom scrolling through our uh, instagram accounts yeah i definitely yeah. need yeah to. i think that, we'll talk about that but okay so first up though the so those are the guests coming up we're looking forward to it first up our rook round table and let's get to some of the items from the last few days i mean we would be remiss if we don't talk about the world cup because uh and, and i guess this is maybe the last time we have to talk about mm-hmm. team mali although perhaps not the last time to talk about the uh, absurd actions of the qatari authorities in cracking down on people but so Team Melli played their final game a couple of days ago against the yes. USA. Did, did anyone see it? I don't think anyone... Did you guys know there was a game on? I watched it, I don't it, think any yeah. of the Iranians or Americans <laughs> knew about this. But no, this was huge news, of course. It was this big uh, uh, game that had all kinds of implications, including whichever team wins, uh, advances, and... Um, I've been pretty clear about this but let me be clear about this once again from my perspective and I even got into a little bit of an argument with some folks online about this and even a couple of my extended family members uh I I wanted team Melly out. I just wanted it uh I just was I was happy that team USA won. And not even uh, on a personal referendum about Team Melli as much as I just, uh, I you know, I did the essay three weeks ago, four weeks ago, let's not let the World Cup be a distraction. And I was really worried about Team Mali e. advancing and this distraction continuing. Um, even amongst those who don't support the team, there was just so much chatter about what's the guy wearing? who's going to say this? What did the coach do? and And it was just occupying so much oxygen, which I think would was really benefiting the regime. Um, and so I, I was glad to see it over with. I know that breaks the heart of some. Uh, Team Melli supporters, but apparently not that many Team Melli supporters because I, yeah. I didn't see that many people crying inside Iran. We didn't see videos of that.
1: No, quite the contrary. We saw, you know, celebrations erupt in Iran um, after after their loss. And um, speaking about their homecoming, I guess, one of the things that I noticed and I thought was almost comical was um, the, the homecoming entourage that they, they kind of had. And it was mostly hired IRGC actors. I mean, all of it was just—you could tell—it wasn't any of the uh, real Iranians, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and I was just thinking as I was seeing that the contrast to when we saw Ennahdha come back to mm-hmm, Iran, mm-hmm. and the difference between that welcome and what we were what we were witnessing with Team India returning mm-hmm. to Iran.
2: Right, because the real Iranian were celebrating in the street mm-hmm. for the loss, and yeah.
0: Well, some were. We don't yes. know. Yeah. I mean, I know, with Shia, your argument is that there's people who are in their homes that support Team Melly that yes. we don't know about. Yes, yes. But, but, but
3: I'm, I, yeah. I'm in your side. Like, I'm okay. very happy that Team Melly is out. Digi so Basset. C- yeah. yeah, let's let's move on. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But, you know, I was I've been saying this for a few days. I don't know if I said it on the last show. But to me, the greatest indicator... Like if you're looking for, you know, we have, we have this question that props up every once in a while, especially from someone who's less than enthusiastic about the revolution, where they go, well, how do you really know, you know, that the Iranian population is behind this? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, we don't really know. I mean, there's no accurate polling. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's just a group of, you know, de- delinquent urban kids, or even maybe it's a lot of people, but it's not a majority. When last week when Team L.E., when the Iranian national team beat, when they won that game Mm -hmm. against Wales, right? An Iranian national football team, big sport in Iran, we know that, wins a game at the World Cup and no one celebrates Mm -hmm. in Iran. You didn't see one photo, video of people other than the Basij or members yeah. of the military, or whatever, right. waving the flag, you know, not one, there was no video of a, of, you know, some, some big, you know, happy, uh, celebration on the streets of Tehran. That's huge. It I mean, is. that says it all. If people were kind of ho-hum about the revolution, the teams just won a game. Wouldn't we see some of that? I mean, to me, that's it, man. That yeah. says it all.
1: But I think that's also the distinction between the diaspora and Iranians living in Iran, right? We, we, I always say, you know, when we've talked about people going out onto the streets and, you know, protesting and revolting and all of that, I've always said, I'm very happy to tell someone outside of Iran, why the hell didn't you come to a rally? Or why didn't you attend this? Or why didn't you support this? But I would never put myself in a position to say that <clears throat> to someone in Iran, and there's that distinction. So I think even with the World Cup, there's been that distinction that, you know, those of us living outside of Iran, we still have these comforts of being able to be distracted by the world cup even if it's momentarily mm-hmm. but for those who are in iran and on the front lines and in those streets yeah, you can be
0: distracted by watching the world cup but just not team Mali.
1: yeah no that's the distraction I'm. No, my, I'm
0: if, you know people can I don't have any objection to somebody going and watching a movie right now. It's like I'm not, I'm not. You don't have to yeah. be like, you know, glued to the revolution, uh, to, because people need to take those. breaks. Oh, for sure. But well, what I
1: was trying to say is, you know, the people who are in Iran and, and kind of at the heart of this, I think it's it's been the last thing on their minds. They're so preoccupied with surviving, when they go out into these these demonstrations, protests, whatever it is, that it's completely different. I don't, I don't think that it even. Well, not everybody's their mind.
0: demonstrating. See, th- I, I want to be serious about this. Like, 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 my point is, is for, for sure, there aren't there aren't millions of people on the streets demonstrating yet, mm-hmm. right? So there's been a guessing game. Who, What's going on? Maybe there's a lot of people, people, friends of mine have brought this up to me. Well, actually, you know, maybe, I, how do we know if Iranians are supporting this? The, why would they not be out in the streets? Why would they not be out in the streets after Team Melly yeah. wins the second yeah, game? Why would no one be out on the street? It's hu- It's a huge event. Mm-hmm. It's a big event.
1: But that's exactly what I'm saying. Even if they're not in a position to go out onto the streets, let's say they're older or unable or afraid or whatever it is, I think it's still so close to them that I don't. I don't know. I would imagine that they're not really thinking of the World Cup right now. What I want
2: to say is that when they won, it was just like a safe, really space that they like. If yeah, they wanted to celebrate it, they could have gone to the streets. Th- they that's what end. I think. That's what I think. But yeah. But then on there the was
0: a moment where it would be. It would be forgivable or at least at least if you really don't care about the revolution and you and your buddies want to go out and go celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where are they where were they
2: yeah because like i mean like that means that to your point everyone are affected by exactly. it so that's like, exactly that's exactly like, what i'm no saying no one wants yeah. to celebrate it and then on the other hand we see uh the other night like on us and iran when iran lost the game mm-hmm. now like everyone now are out which is again like it wasn't everyone. It wasn't I'm not everyone. A lot everyone of people, it was but a that we lot saw of a few people. celebrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah, like that's exaggeration, yeah. definitely. But uh, what actually uh, caught my attention was that uh, I, I'm from Esfahan, so a lot of like it's not as active a city. But that night, a lot of neighborhoods that they were always quiet. Like my friends were sending me videos of like like again not everyone. A lot of people are out. So celebrating I, the U.S. Yeah, win, celebrating that, which <laughs> like. Yeah. Um So there you go,
0: Shaya. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's sad. I mean, it's funny. It but is sad, it's
1: sad. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say I was I don't get me wrong. I'm not supporting Team manly by any means, mm. but there's a sadness to this. There really is. It's it's. Oh, absolutely. I think it's quite heartbreaking to think that, you know, we're in this position. I mean, this whole thing is sad, of mm-hmm. course, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, sports has always been that release that that. Yeah, it's that thing, thing that brought us together, you know. I mean, especially football for Iranians, like every year that Iran was in the World Cup, that's when. Iranians from course, every corner of the world. Of course, would come and together. so many and people so, were
0: conflicted. It was the whole dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting watching a game where I'm cheering for America. Like exactly. I've, I've never been in that position. And yeah. We've talked about it on this show that in 1998 I was on tour in Arkansas when when that Iran-U.S. game happened, and my bandmates had to de- uh, deter me from running out on the street with an Iranian flag because they were like, <laughs> "No, Arkansas, buddy, this yeah. isn't a good idea in Arkansas." <laughs> I mean, it was everything's you know on its head right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but. Um, it really wasn't helpful, I, I think. It was. It, I don't know. I don't know anyone who was getting. I don't. I don't even know if the players were enjoying it. Like I guess yeah. I know that they probably would have wanted to advance to the next round. Maybe I don't know. But just, just, just seemed like a an exercise in futility. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. bad timing and and it's not working out. And um, but you know, if to add a layer of the sadness to it, uh, there's so much confusion in the West in the Western media about the Iranian you know Mm -hmm. situation so there was a bunch of people like uh, again like on my Arsenal podcast for example I love these guys when they talk about Arsenal football but when they're talking about start talking about Iran which they call Iran um It, it. I mean, it gets a little weird, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so they were like, yeah, I feel really bad for Iran because, you know, uh, the people are going through a tough time and the team didn't win for them, you know, and everybody, I'm sure everybody in the country wanted to win and you kind of want to reach into the podcast and go, no, 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 no. They, there's nuances <laughs> to this. And then I was listening to... um Howard Stern, who is an American, mm-hmm. you know, uh, radio broadcaster, and I'm a fan of his. Have uh, been for many years. I think he's a great broadcaster. He's a little, you know, um, over the top sometimes, but uh, and in the past has said and done things that I'm not that I'm big a fan of. But he's really, I, you know, I've said for years. I think he's a great broadcaster, good interviewer, and um, always has an interesting take on things. And he was saying right on. Uh, USA beat this Iran team, you know, and they've got all this. But then he goes, you know, that shithole country, oh my God. and and then he says, where women can't drive, and um, uh, you know, you get arrested yeah. if you try to vote, you know, if women try to vote, and you know, I don't. He's talking about you, mm, Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Arabia from fifteen yeah, years ago, exactly. right? But and 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 I'm just going, oh man, like this is not what we want, you know. We don't want this. Dist out there, mm-hmm. um, okay. and the, the 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 whole shame of this whole situation is that, you know, it's it's hard to push back against that because you don't want to be in a position of defending the regime, right. you know, and going, no, actually, it's not so bad in Iran because it's horrible. What's that going mm-hmm. on in Iran? But, but then this kind of misinformation and, yeah. you know, they're the kind of going, well, why wouldn't the people were celebrating, you know, that the Team USA won because that's a shithole country, yeah. you know. So it's, it's really a, hard. It's, it's really such a
1: fine hard. line between villainizing the country Versus villainizing the regime, and I think that's the nuance that a lot of um, Western media still gets so incorrectly. And those facts that facts that they try to present are so misguided and so misplaced. And what they're saying is, I get that it's coming from a good place. You know, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know what Howard Stern was thinking, but a lot of times it's like they try to portray this image, and it's so false about Iranians, mm. and yet still could be so true about the regime.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I think later he said, you know, hopefully the Iranian people, good people, they can come out of this, but his fundamental facts about Iran were, you know, horrible. were just way off and uh that 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 stuff is Yeah.
3: He's hmm. he's yeah, sad again, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: absolutely sad. Like one big thing like that I was just like thinking about is that I I did not watch the game and I really didn't care if it like they were winning or losing, the only thing that I was slightly happy about was that the regime now cannot dance on our mm. blood, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the I that was the only. They can't use this thing.
0: as a yeah, yeah as a tool. That that was part of my point. Get it out of the way, you know. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, there's this uh, absurdity of of Qatar and FIFA, oh, oh. who up until. <laughs> Iran was, while well, Iran was still in the World Cup, of yep. course famously, infamously I suppose, were not allowing any political signs or t-shirts into the stadiums, mm-hmm. you know. We talked to uh, Natasha Kenway on our show on Monday who mm-hmm. was uh, you know detained for a while. She couldn't fly her flag, women's her life freedom flag. Sahar, who we had on the show last week, was stopped from going in because she she was wearing a, a Masa e shirt or something like that we saw all these videos and stories of so then iran exits and fifa and qatar say actually you you know it's okay you can you can we're going to allow political signs and t-shirts and all that back into the stadiums Mm -hmm. including about iran
1: <laughs> Specifically about Iran, actually. They pinpointed. Because they were allowing anything else. Yeah, before, so they, yeah. they pinpointed two things in their statement. One was um, they said that you can bring in um, rainbow paraphernalia, so essentially anything with the rainbow flag, colors, mm-hmm. whatever. And the other was banners in protest of the situation in Iran. It, very pointedly, they mentioned <laughs> yeah. Iran. Wow. And, and my question was, you know. Like, is someone going to bring a banner to, I don't know, the next USA game, for example? So let's just be
0: specific about this. Not only, I mean, we know that Qatar and Iran are, you know, in cahoots. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was, the deal was made. We're not going to, don't worry. As long as the Iran team's in there, we won't allow allow any shameful protests by these heathens, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But think about FIFA. Like, what a bullshit, unethical institution this is. That they would go along with this, you know, that that they stated their whole statement at the top of the World Cup, basically made for for well, Iran and so that the and around the armband, Mm -hmm. you know, the uh, supporting one love armband. uh, The statement was, "We play football, no politics. Mm -hmm. We got to keep it clean. Come on, everybody! Everybody knew this was bullshit, of course, but that was the statement." One week later, mm-hmm. as Iran exits, bring in the signs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all allowed. okay. Yeah. What I mean? How do these guys, you know, live with themselves? It's 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 bizarre. It it's is. bizarre how cravenly, how openly corrupt mm-hmm. this shit is. You know.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, even their statement was laughable. Um, Their statement was something along the lines of, you know, they were reassuring fans that they've taken every measure to speak to, um, whether it's Qatari officials or the officials who are in charge of, you know, the stadiums who would allow people or wouldn't yeah. and then they said something really funny which is we're aware of those one-off incidents that have taken place and i mean i just found it so laughable and the audacity that they have to say something like one-off incidents yeah. where we've seen
0: we personally uh, know yeah, six I mean, incidents exactly yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: not only have we seen hundreds of videos each one of us probably has a friend a family yeah. member somebody who's actually been there and has told us firsthand so i mean
3: Money, horrible. money, money. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Two hundred billion dollars is the money that I mean, more than Qatar. Yeah, yeah. Qatar spent on the World
0: Cup. Yeah, yeah It's and it's like over ten times the amount of exactly. any World Cup yes. ever, or something. Or it's a, a lot more than that. Um, Dr. K, Solmas Barakir, and Paris Fatimi coming up before we ended up the roundtable. I, I, we, there's a couple of things we were going to talk about that were, um. Ma, I guess more difficult uh, information coming out of Iran. Uh, Dario, you want to bring up the Hossein Runaqi, um situation. Right. Uh, give us, remind us who Hossein is, of course, for folks who are just catching up.
2: Yeah, so Hossein ronaghi was uh, arrested at the beginning of the protest. He's an activist who's been uh, active since... Um, since John Bishop Saps and yeah the he Greenland. was um, yeah he was arrested and he's a journalist he was, he's a blogger he's a, journalist, he's a blogger well-known
0: yeah.
2: yes he's a well-known a blogger that actually he was uh, working towards uh, providing proxies and VPNs to people in Iran and he was arrested and he was on hunger strike for uh, almost 60 days more than 60 days and he was released last week which I Obviously, all of us were very happy about it, but right uh, at the same day, there was this attack started at him that, okay, yeah, like, why he's not thin enough? Why his legs are not broken, which was supposed to be broken? Why he's not dead? This is
0: based on people seeing some video of him and photos. This is online, right? Yes. People begin attacking, questioning the integrity of...
2: Uh, a yeah. guy who's been in jail for the last <laughs> yeah. two and a half months, yeah. And then this is definitely not the first time that we've seen these sort of attacks on influential people, and it won't be the last time, absolutely. Um, and then one thing that was um, sad about it is that usually people are very smart about it, like because we know who's starting these uh, sort of fake news, mm-hmm. and we never pay attention to it. We're just like all, always very careful not to spread it.
0: And who is starting this fake news?
2: Cyberis, Arzashi people, like those people that they just want to uh, create those fake news to um, take attention. So you won't pay attention to the actual news and then lose credibility for those Mm -hmm. people.
0: So this is uh, the regime you're saying would have started these rumors about renari to distract people and and to discredit him obviously
2: absolutely and then um and then we, we and then usually the argument is that whenever you try to defend these people they're just going to say that oh you're just creating a god you're creating bot, Zinach, and we should be able to question them and absolutely that that like by itself that's a correct statement but they just bringing up some like random bs accusation on these people and then when you say like what they're just gonna be like oh yeah you're defending them you're just making another khomeini mm-hmm. um so yeah like and usually like the th- the difference between this one and the other ones is that this one i think got slipped not as much but still like it got some attention to the point that he had to uh, two days ago, take some pictures of himself, shirtless, showing how much uh, weight he lost. That's very sad for someone who's it's been... humiliating that he uh, has to do that. Yeah, yeah, like, and then there was this tweet and it was very like the exact same that I was thinking that just imagine what he was thinking at the same time that he was taking these pictures that after these many years that I've been uh, putting up myself mm-hmm. for... Uh, For people, for revolution, for everything that's happening, now I have to take pictures to prove myself. Yeah. Um, So I just want to mention that we have to be careful because yeah, like right now it's like we're flooding with information. Like a lot of news comes to us. Like we're just scrolling through our social media, and everything comes to our mind. Like it's we have limited time to really. Fact-checked. That's right,
0: and you can pretty peop somebody can pretty much say anything, mm-hmm. and it can travel around the diaspora and the world, Instagram world, instantaneously. And yeah. if uh, if a lie travels around enough times, it becomes a truth. Kind of, you know. Exactly. Um, and also, we uh,
3: s- sometimes we underestimate the cyber army. Mm-hmm. Of they are sometimes they are really intelligent, you know, and they they are bahush smart. They know we wi- uh, how they can divide people, how they can distract people, and we have to be more focused.
1: It's there. funny. I had actually seen the images that you're talking about um, of Hossein Ronari shirtless, but I hadn't heard this cl- this I guess controversy surrounding the images, and. I mean, I'm glad I didn't, to be honest with you, because <laughs> when I was looking at those images, all I was thinking is just this this poor man and what he's had to put on the line. Mm-hmm. And now to hear that, it's just angering me to think that, you yeah. know, a- and I can only imagine, like you said, what he must have been thinking to want to take Absolutely. those pictures. And we
0: don't bring it up here to amplify it, obviously. This is, I mean, it's let's be very clear. It's mm-hmm. fake news. He he was on a hunger strike. He's, Absolutely. you know, but uh, it's, it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing. And it also plays into... This voracious appetite—I want to do an essay about this at some point. I didn't do it for today, but, but um, you know, this is the first revolution that's taking place in in this level of social media toxicity, where uh, you know there no one can possibly meet the purity test. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. Hossein Ronari, like you know this guy seems uh, a paragon of integrity in terms of anything everybody's ever said about him. And he gets, you know, questioned and and it's like anybody who appears to possibly be a leadership candidate or anybody who grows too much of an audience or anybody who has a popular song or anybody who has, it just gets attacked and there's a a lot of uh, divisions happening. And that's a, you know, one of the, the tricky things about talking about that is that's also a regime tactic, you know. A regime and its, and its lobbies in the diaspora will say, oh, the people in Iran are unified, but look at these horrible people in mm-hmm. the diaspora who all uh, are divided and hate each other, and nothing can ever come of that, so we should probably reform the regime, you know. Yeah. That'll be the, that's the way they operate. And, and uh, at the same time, it is so uh, disappointing to see uh, this circular firing squad where Iranians are just shooting at each other. You know, uh, I mean me- metaphorically, mm-hmm. not the shooting that's happening in Iran. Mm-hmm. But um, and sometimes believing it, th- this right. kind of stuff, right? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's uh, sad. you how?
0: Sorry, uh, your answer to everything today is it's sad. You're it's a melancholy <laughs> <laughs> today.
3: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah sad. Okay, even thinking about it makes me sad, you know that what how people we are in the middle of revolution for God's sake, yeah. why is it important that how like Chan so that's yeah. not the torture know? yeah. yeah. it's yeah it's
0: very sad, yeah, it's sometimes I almost wonder there's so much hunger for fodder you know coming out of uh about this revolution, there's so much hunger to see that a, a new big demonstration, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, a UN special assembly, or some information, information, or headway. Come on, let's see progress. That in that and that necessarily cannot happen every day. That's right. And when that isn't there, people yeah. are filling it with yes, you know nonsense about uh, mm-hmm. Team Mali or. Whether Hussein Roneri was really on right. hunger strike or not, or, or all this kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Yes. Uh, or just attacking each other in in uh, the online world. Um, before we go, I mean, <laughs> now that chai is sad. I was going to say there's also uh, say. there's <laughs> also a lot of <laughs> that. The other thing that's <laughs> been in the last happening in the last few days yeah. is uh, we're all we're all sad about this. I'm not, you know, uh, the the unending growing list. I mean, I did a the opening essay on Monday about mm-hmm. um, go ahead put everybody in jail uh, they listen to you the, it's yeah, say, yeah I mean it almost seems like that's the agenda it's like the arrests have gone upward again executions have gone upward you got some I mean, I have
1: a full page of just names and incidents, and it would just, you know, I mean, there's no shortage of people who have been detained, arrested, tortured, killed, executed. But just in the last couple of days, a couple of things that I I really wanted us to talk about. um, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of us who are following the news have heard the name Mehran Samak, which is the 27-year-old who was shot dead after honking his horn after the U.S.-Iran game. So he was shot in the head in his car for honking his horn in celebration of the USA team winning. Um, And in a really strange twist of events, um, he's from Bandar Anzali, which is the same part of Iran that um, Saeeda Zatollahi is from. Mm -hmm. And there's this image circulating. Who is? Who is one of the players on Team Meli. He's a midfielder on the team, I believe. Um, And so he actually posted a picture after hearing about the killing of Mehran Samak of them as children, on a youth football team and just seeing the contrast of that in light of what was happening with the world cup in light of what's happening with the revolution i mean there's not been a shortage of gut-wrenching moments Mm. but i think you know this is just another one that was added to the list to think that i mean i don't even know i don't even have words for it anymore um so that was that was definitely one thing that we heard about um over the last couple of days so i can just
0: uh, say again i mean for anybody who's listening and going um, oh, Gian, Let people enjoy Team Mali. What's the big deal? And you know, mm-hmm. so they didn't uh, take a position against the revolution. It's not like there was an incident that took place that we're all still sore about, you know. Uh, and certainly, there've been many of those.
1: Yeah.
0: It's this is happening in real time mm-hmm. every day. Like while the soccer game was happening, while the football matches on, they're on the pitch. There's people being shot. That's there's right. people being killed. So it's impossible. To not prioritize that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, to, to, to not suggest that we don't want that to distractions from that. And this kind of um, intersection of the football player and the the yeah. fan and the shot in the head. I mean, it's it's all so dark and yeah. uh, it's it's an unending. It you know? is. Yeah.
1: It is. And that's and that's what I was saying. You know, there's no shortage of things that that we can talk about in, in that sense. Um, but, you know, another one of the reports that we heard was of the seven Iranians who were executed, um, most of whom were from Baluchistan. And so we've seen that, you know, in certain parts of Iran, we've seen a higher kind of crackdown of and, and higher number of yeah. deaths and, and definitely more bloody scenarios. Um, then there was another report of 10 children, all under 18, um, who were taken to trial for acting against national security, disturbing public peace, fighting against God, and this Moharebe that we keep hearing about, which is capital punishment, uh, is an offense that that leads to capital punishment. Um, and then there was another. Uh, no, what was
0: that? The crimes against the earth or something? Yeah, What's crimes it?
1: again. It's crimes against God and disturbing peace on earth. it's
3: like corruptor in the earth on the earth. Corruption. Yeah,
1: corrupting <laughs> the earth. Yeah. Um, and then there was another report actually that I wanted to talk about that I heard about that, just blew my mind, Um, two doctors who are from uh, Karaj, I believe. Mm. They had attended a funeral um, or one of the ceremonies for one of the individuals who had been killed um, by the regime in these protests. And um, the, uh, the, the regime had singled them out, indicated that they were doctors. I don't know if they had been helping people, if they hadn't, I don't know what the truth is. But they actually identified them, waited until they went home. Three in the morning, barged into their home, arrested them, detained them, and now they're on trial. Well, trial. I use the term very loosely in a situation like Iran's. Um, and, And they're now probably on death row as well that's
0: right they're up for execution that's what I heard yeah
1: um, and again I mean like I said there's no shortage there's a story of two young brothers 15 and 16 years old they're also on death row um, the group of artists from that video that went viral with the individuals just walking onto the screen and taking their um, hijab off or supporting kind of the movement in Iran they're all on death well row
0: actresses and uh, yeah.
1: yeah and then um, just one final stat that I just want to talk about real quick between the 23rd and the 28th, which is just in the last five days, there's been 13 executions that have taken place. Mm-hmm. So in a matter of five days, we've heard and seen, a- and I mean, we know these numbers are higher. These are just ones that we can actually um, accurately say have yeah. taken place.
3: Uh, yeah, Those, um if Sohaila Hamid actor, I mean, theater actor and actors that they, got arrested i mean uh, we, we've talked about this a lot on this round table that like in these days being in evin is like a badge of honor you know yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, they <laughs> by ar- arresting them they just motivate other people to do more yeah. you know
0: the sheer uh, aggregate level of talent that's in evin <laughs> right now yeah that's right. yeah, yeah. Um, now, on the plus side or uh, on the the flip side uh, of all of this, uh, there is action being mm-hmm. planned and, and being taken, not just in the diaspora, but inside Iran. That's right. Uh, despite the bloody crackdowns, as we keep saying, you know, uh, it, it, no, no matter what the regime tries, it can't stop the will of the people. And so there's actually going to be, there's a call for national strikes mm-hmm. next week,
2: right? Right. Yeah. The, it's Char uh, Dahom
1: which is going to be uh, fifth, sixth, s- and seventh. I think December. of
0: December. You know, all of which is to say, the movement continues in mm-hmm. Iran, and national strikes—if it happens on a national level—stores close, production stops. That's a big deal. That's right. That's that's the next level. That's what we've been talking about and waiting for.
1: Yeah, and it's what we keep saying um, from weeks ago about the chips falling into place, and each one of them being, you know, indicative of this revolution moving one step forward. So, and we saw it a um, couple weeks back when they had the national strikes, and we talked about it on the last show about you know last weekend being one of the most influential with the truck unions, associate truck union, and and um, a lot of the steel workers and things like that. So hopefully, we'll see the same thing next week. All right. Be <laughs> spot.
0: Let's go to our, let's get, are we good for the Rook Roundtable? I
2: think so. You know,
0: I was just getting one final note about the World Cup. You remember a year ago or months and months ago, I was confused about what to do because for the first time in my life, the three countries that I identify with, the country I was born in England, Mm -hmm. the country I live in and I'm a citizen of Canada as well as England, and the country of my ancestry, Iran, we're all in the World Cup. And it was a big question, what am I going to do? Well, it certainly worked itself out, it didn't did. it? It did,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Canada, Canada is the
0: only country other than Qatar that didn't get a point in, yes. in the World Cup. Uh, God love them. And uh, Iran, you know, uh, the circumstances be what they are. It's, uh, it, you know, I've still got, I've got the three lions left, my team England. Uh, did you, uh, do you have appetite for following
3: England?
0: I do. I mean, I... I it's the same appetite I have for watching Arsenal. It's it's everything's muted in these days of the revolution. Mm-hmm. I can't you can't sort of throw yourself into anything. But I'm, I'll still watch and I'll mm. still uh, they're they're really good boys. I love these uh, uh, English boys. Uh, they're they're a young team and yeah. uh, good for them. You know, but I don't know if they'll actually get that far to be honest, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Um, thank you, Daria. Thank you. Thank you, Pega. Thank you. Thank you, Shia. Let's go to our first guest. You guys exit and we're, we're going to bring in our first guest yes. into the into the Rook studio here. Uh, my first guest is an Iranian-Canadian life coach, a motivational speaker, and a stress recovery specialist, Solmaz Bakgir, is the host of the podcast Lom Tokalam, and the person behind the popular Instagram page Solmaz Bakir Coach. She has been working diligently to produce helpful content regarding the current situation in Iran for the last ten weeks right now. Solmaz Bagir joins me live in the Rook Studio. Hello.
4: Hi Jianjun.
0: Nice to have you here. Same,
4: same. Um, my
0: pleasure. I'm so, I first of all, it's nice to have you. I have a stress recovery specialist here. <laughs> I think I should think that you're in high I demand. Should, I uh, should
4: take that off.
0: Now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to get you in trouble because there's a lot of people who need help. What has life been like for an Iranian Canadian life coach and stress recovery specialist during this this period of great emotional extremities as the uprising continues in Iran? Uh,
4: it's been very challenging like anyone else. Um, jean the day that I got the news, uh, the picture of Mahsa in bed, in ICU in um, hospital in Tehran, I made a very intentional, intentional decision that uh, do I want to be here or not? And it was very sad that I was like, I at the time- Sorry, here being- We're here in public, uh, on social media- In this space. In this space, exactly. Uh. Yeah. And uh, I, at the time, none of us would even imagine it will turn to a huge revolution slash uprising and this much of effects on everyone. So I sat down, I always write, I asked my followers, my clients, just write it down and think about it. And I reflected on it and I knew that if I start posting the first photo, I'm all in, in the space.
0: How did you know that? Or why did you think that?
4: You can't just there's n- right now they say that there's no right uh, white and black black and white you can't be gray blah 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 mm-hmm. but it's so obvious you can't just at least I cannot be like that I'm all always all in or out I make my mm-hmm. decisions and intentions and the consequence would be never going back to Iran right yes and. I was like, okay, I took my son who is half Iranian, half Canadian to Iran four years ago. He has good memories. But what's more important for me right now? And one of my values is to be for other people, right? That's why I chose this career. So I talked with my husband. I said, if I do this, um, I may never be able to go back. And he said, it's your choice. He loves going there skiing.
0: Your husband is uh, Canadian. He's not Iranian. No, he's not. Um, yeah, and and once you were in, you were all in. I was all in. It's you know, there's a lot of language around this during this this revolution mm-hmm. during this period for the last uh, two months, two and a half months, which is this is no time to be on the fence. The time has come. This is you know, pick your side. Exactly. But it it which normally I don't appreciate that kind of uh, lack of uh, nuance. But but uh, but it feels like it has to be this way. I mean, if it's a revolution then exactly. you can't sort of p- put one foot on either side there yeah. are still people doing that but yeah. but it, yeah. if it, it seems very difficult to me
4: yeah it, it is difficult for me it's difficult too, even to, to look at it but you know what ironically you look at the footage images in um, protests in Tehran in ev- any uh, city in Iran you see that even people those who are just watching their stand by bias, yes. they get hit. Yes. So it it's really the nature of this revolution has no logic yes. that you say, oh, I'm just looking, I'm just watching, I'm a bystander to see if what how it will go. Yes. You're either in you're in drop, I always said we are all a drop, like a drop of the whole movement.
0: Well if you're little Keon Pierre Falak, you're in a car with your family Driving along, you know, you're not in the middle of a demonstration, and you're, then yeah, then you're dead all did. of a sudden at ten years old. You this isn't entirely new to you. You were an activist back in Iran, and you were out on the streets during the Green Movement, and yeah. and ended up sleeping in a garbage bin.
1: I'm
4: not sure who told you
0: that. <laughs> I but I, it's true, isn't it? Do <laughs> yeah. I have that right? <laughs> yes. So so that and that was to avoid authorities. I mean, tell me a bit about your own background oh in terms God, of yeah. speaking out in Iran.
4: Uh, Jean John, I was waiting to my, uh, for my immigration uh, application to Canada to be completed, to come to Canada for eight years, seven and a half to be precise. So exactly that green movement happened six months before my visa comes. Mm. Okay, so it was a very, very mm, not wise and uh, yeah, my dad, if he hears me right now, would be very mad at me because at the time he was telling me, if they, p- your visa comes, they will do police check, and you're in street, they arrest you, you are in trouble, you mm. can't even come to Canada. And my my whole family used to be here for years. So, but I met you. Could, I I couldn't. I can't say you. I could not sit at home. And it was a very terrible, terrifying. Traumatizing night, night that night that I ran away from. I, I couldn't, I could just see they were not Iranian. They were huge, tall, scary men speaking in Arabic
0: in the street. Who is this? The the Basij or the, the some, I don't sort know of,
4: who they were, but they were just. They were coming after protesters. Yeah, an yeah, yeah.
0: And how did you end up in a, in a garbage bin?
4: when you're scared <laughs> not to be killed right. or arrested. There were, there, you know, you in Tehran there are huge big, yeah. garbage bins, city garbage bins there for Shahtari. And we were, uh, it was three of us. Two of us jumped in, one of them. I stayed for four hours till I could hear there is nothing mm-hmm. else there. And I could see how unhumanistic, n- nothing. They don't feel anything. Right now, I can feel it, Shia. Yeah. I can feel it. I feel, Benny, I listen to your content, speaking to kids, youth in all over the um, cities in Iran. Yeah. I feel
3: that. You
0: identify with them. Oh, my. God. I mean, it sounds like, given the instincts that you have, were you in Iran right now, you would be on the front lines?
4: I, yeah, I guess I would. I have friends back home, they they say that, they're making jokes, they say thank God you're there, otherwise you would come every night Mm -hmm. with your car, pick us up, take us (laughs) to
0: the front line. Yeah,
4: yeah. Is it
0: hard to not be there on that level?
4: Um, You know, I'm doing a lot right now. I should acknowledge that. I have stopped whatever I was doing before. Yes. On social media, if you scroll down on my content, it was all pinky, happy, do this, do that, relationship, stress relief, blah, blah, blah. Right now it's all focus on your goal. Don't get yourself distracted with garbage content. just be focused, don't get disappointed stuff like that.
0: So let me ask you about that. I mean this is the reason you're here because um, you've been observing and uh, interacting with uh, your audience and coming up with conclusions I'm sure about what you've what you've found. How is the deluge of horrific images and ongoing difficult news coming out of Iran affecting us? mentally and emotionally?
4: It's in the worst way that it could be. It's very traumatizing for all of us. And John John, I want to tell you, us people out of Iran, because all my clients are, Iranian clients are the Iranian who have immigrated all over the world. So I'm talking with them.
0: So you don't have clients in Iran? No. They're all outside of it. Outside okay. of Iran. Yeah.
4: And uh, when I speak with them, their problem is that they consume a lot of footage, pictures, yes. everything. It's, it's unbelievable how much they're just consuming and they feel they're doing nothing. Hmm. They just get drowned, like everyone. We get drowned in the sadness, in, in anger, in unfairness, everything. And the, w- the worst part is that we go to our trauma, we go back, it's like triggers. It hooks us to, yes. to back to our traumas. I, the first week, I was a screwed up person. Like the smell of garbage there that night. Everything that, the times, the number of times that morality cops had arrested me, and my fear of what if my parents will find out yeah. that I was, how should I explain that to them? Right. Yes. Why I wasn't at class in the class yes. in the university.
0: But we're all I mean, I actually have Dr. K coming up in a in a little while. And um, he's somebody who's been, oh you know, my he's got God. a huge following and he's been um, trying to help people and, and not just people in Iran, but all of us. Mm-hmm. So he's, he did a, a whole thing on insomnia, which I want to ask him about, because so many of us are not sleeping. No. And it's no surprise. I mean, every study tells you that if you look at your screen before you go to bed, and in our case, if you're scrolling through horrific images, how are you supposed to have a, a restful sleep? But what's the prescription out of that? I mean, are we supposed to, would you say we shouldn't look at this stuff?
4: We cannot look and just stop looking at those Exactly. Stuff, right? It
0: actually feels on some level... Uh, irresponsible to not be knowing what's going on.
4: Yeah. At the same time, we are responsible for our own mental health and sanity. Okay. If I want to be effective in this movement, I should be a person who can analyze stuff. I can't just jump in the mud and believe that I'm responsible. That's not being responsible. Being responsible is, I always say, garbage in, garbage out. I guess there is a very nonsense proverb in Farsi. They say that, oh, um, meaning that get it from one ear and just live it, throw it out. Mm. No, 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 no. Our brain is a, should be sanitized from mm. all the garbage stuff. So for me, the first thing, when I see that view thing, alarm on the bottom of any Instagram videos, I don't hit on them. I just read the description and I intentionally make decision, do do, do I want to watch this? Mm. How can it serve me? And how can I serve my um, followers here, my audience? What can I do here? And I always tell my followers, you want to be effective? Go to my stories. I have all the hashtags you should do, mass mm, emails. Um, Tell me anything that we we need to be doing to be effective, I'm providing you there.
0: Yeah, I same. mean, you're right. What do we really gain from seeing the, the same horrible images over Nothing. and over again?
4: And and I'm, I'm going to confess here, the first week I was a mess person. Yes. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if you know that I'm pursuing, I'm studying masters in counseling psychology. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was very helpful to me was one of my... Um, The trauma professor we have, I was uh, speaking with him and just opened up and told him what's going on with me. The first thing he said, he said, you guys are all experiencing post-trauma, whatever has happened to you back home. Yes. So put a filter, put a strong filter for your brain, for your mental space. Mm. What are you going to consume? and go based on that, make, make sure what, he asked me, what is your purpose here? I said, I want to make sure my followers are aligned with the news, I want to make sure that they don't get this cyber attacks that we have on Instagram, yeah. oh my God.
0: Well, let's get to that, but, but let me just push back gently no, on, on this idea of, of um, not looking at some stuff. I mean, isn't part of our imperative to be informed and so we have to look at a bunch of different things and decide what's credible to us, what we want to be informed about so that we can continue to play a role in supporting those in Iran. I mean, I I say that fully cognizant of the fact that what, what how does it help to know that two more people are gonna be executed today and here here they are and whatever. But the, the whole slogan of say their name, say her name is the underpinning of that is let's know who they are let's remember them let's say their names well if we're not looking at it we can't do that right and so I mean the 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 extreme version of this which is um yeah I just can't deal with that I'm not looking at it let's go to the party Uh, that doesn't work for me because it's like but what responsibility do we have to our families, our ancestors, our culture of, you know, our, our uh, country of heritage, all of that. Uh, certainly some responsibility when, when people are being shot in the streets, yeah. I would think. Yeah. So where is the line?
4: The line is, uh, you brought up a very legit um, uh, example. Like you, you cannot not look at the pictures because you need to say their name. But that's not the main, part that our energy drains mm. and we get involved with stuff. Say, tell me what was the benefit of being involved with the news about around soccer for the last 10 I agree weeks? with you. So I, before that... Who's singing
0: the anthem? Who isn't singing the anthem? Or who is that... Who gives a fuck? Stupid woman who came
4: and said, uh, like, talked in English, in a broken English, blah, 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 blah.
0: Well, there is some uh, place for humor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. So
4: um, a little bit prior to this whole World Cup soccer game yeah. start, like two days uh, pr- prior, I wrote down again. What's my intention? Do I want to spread the news about this? Do I, do I want to expand around this news or yeah. not? And N-O was my answer. Mm-hmm. And I have not consumed, read, watched, or spread even one, one picture around that.
2: Yeah, intentionally. I, yeah.
4: I mean, and yeah, you know I, how much, can them. Uh, um,
0: Kian. Well, Kian, Jian, It's okay, Jian,
4: yeah. Jian. Jian, Jian, I really um, s- protected my sanity mm. by that. Like, my followers would send me pictures, delete, 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 this is not what, focus, we are focusing on stripes, yeah. we are focusing on um, many people who are in the prison, we are focusing yeah. on creating content that will help, and I created a lot of content on brainwash because we have been brainwashed. Yeah, let me get to that.
0: I was just gonna say, I just said it on our round table, that that I was really, this is why I wanna be very clear, and I'm I'm not shy to say it, I really wanted Iran to lose. Uh, to, To exit the World Cup, to stop the distraction. I mean, it, it had just become. I don't know who it was benefiting, other than maybe the regime. I don't even think the for the players, it would. It was. It was a a pleasant experience. You know, it just the whole thing sucked and and it, but certainly it was just dist- if the conversation is about well which guy is you know um, singing and who isn't and it's it's not about what's happening in Iran no it's and not so it's really uh, yeah, I agree exactly. that uh, that that better that 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 be um, done with um, talk, talk to me about brainwashing what what are you ref- referencing when you say we've been brainwashed
4: um, you know um, for the last two three months since beginning of this revolution i have been i had t- some challenges to create contents that are exactly aligned with this movement at the same time we can apply there in our personal lives in our relationships okay. and this brainwash came last week when i n- i noticed wow people are so consumed with instead of talking about the, this person who has been arrested the other person i'm not an activist janj I'm not an activist. I'm a human being who sees stuff and the effect of trauma, stress and relationships and communications and our quality of lives. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, what's happening? And I started doing some research about it, watching videos on, about documentaries, uh, documentaries around the Second World War and yes. how they made people to fight against human beings killing each other. And I came to brainwashing. And I can see that how it's very simple. It's very simple. They start picking some reliable, mm, trusted characters all over the world, people we love, like our soccer players. We used to love them, right? Bring them like piece of, I don't know, I don't want, as a trap. Put them there for, did you have any doubts that they have been tortured mentally to go play there? Of course they have been. Mm. That wasn't their will. And it's so clear, but people were like, how dare you, uh, you did this? How dare you saw the president? And all this is what? Is anger, is feeling sad, disappointed.
0: So, I'm sorry, which part are are we brainwashed to? We
4: brainwashed to expand around this kind of news. We brainwash that. Do oh. you think
0: that to, to, for this to be something we care about, yeah, exactly. To, well, this is a, it's a, That's such an interesting because people have made this argument. And I think it's quite powerful that the regime l- enjoyed the all the conversation about the World Cup because it was taking people's minds off, you know, their their massacre in in Zahedan or exactly. whatever.
4: Exactly, exactly. They did that exactly and they were talking about people being arrested in Qatar because Islamic Republic has sent people there who cares
0: well we we were talking we've been talking about that
4: <laughs> <laughs> and it's not but it's but not something yeah, yeah i started well, i mean listened it's, it's a to big Natasha, deal isn't that course. a big deal yeah it is a big that, deal that that,
0: that 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 a world cup is taking place in another country so, uh, supposedly a sovereign country to iran uh, and yet Iranians are being detained or Did injured, or whatever, because they were wearing a "Women Life a Freedom" T-shirt.
4: Did you have which, by the way, you're
0: now allowed to wear?
4: Of course, because now that everything Iran is, is out. over. I mean, yeah. come on. I know, but but why do we get surprised? I have actually an episode on pod, podcast. Don't get surprised over the stuff that are facts. Hmm. Qatar has been Iran and Qatar have good relationships. Yes there was no doubt did you have any doubt that they would not support iran iran's regime
0: i didn't i didn't know the, the extent to which they would go to to not let people wear those t-shirts and things oh i mean I, that, that that surprised they bailed yeah, you know on. why because supposedly these thing, because it wasn't just qatar it was fifa making these decisions so so you've got the bromance with qatar and iran but then you got fifa in bed with them as well because FIFA sanctioned all of that. You know, we're not allowed political messaging, and et cetera. But now that Iran's gone. Yeah, yeah right.
4: conveniently. Yeah. And what's the, what's the benefit of even thinking about that? Right? Yeah. We got one good lesson. Nobody except ourselves can do something for our country. Nobody. Not FIFA, not UNICEF. Not. We ask for help. We welcome help. We appreciate their help. We thank them for their help. But it's not that we are re- going to rely on their help. All right. Same as has but, happened but,
0: in... But, but we don't need them helping the... Uh, we do not want in, uh, the, them helping them. I mean, the, that's the, the the meme, as I said in my opening essay. It's you don't... We don't want um, you to save us. We, want, we just want you to stop saving the regime, right? I mean, that's... Uh, and there is an important uh, distinction, and that's part of the idea of the support. <laughs> It's like pull, get rid of your ambassadors. Tell these people, you know, isolate this exactly. country. Do what you have to do, and that doesn't seem to be totally happening yet. It's no. it's it it really is. I think when we talk about trauma and how damaging this is, it the feeling of Iranians being alone. I mean, it's been nice to see some celebrities come out and say support Iranian women, etc. But. There, there's still a feeling of loneliness in yeah. terms of when this happens in Iran, it doesn't get the attention it does in other countries.
4: Exactly. So right now, Jian, you it down on me about some things because many times I'm extremely factful and I don't get my emotions to be involved, engaged in this. In this scenario, it's because I was there in Green Movement and I did not see that much of other wo- people in whole world's support. I saw that that my friends were arrested. Oh my god, I don't want to go there. It was brutal. It was brutal. And not as
0: brutal as this moment.
4: No, but it can yeah. be worse too. Yeah. Yeah. And right now my my as a human being uh, what's on me is to spread the news, the the, the ones that they serve our fellow Iranians. What's an know?
0: example of that? What what's the news we should be spreading?
4: like right now what, what is helping right now the 3 days we will have uh, on strike, the protests, strike. Yeah. and what is the pro- what does it mean to go to on strike it means don't go sh- to do no unnecessary shopping and it means that later on when the strike is over from your perspective don't go over shop right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. figure it out this is revolution it's not normal life we are not supposed to have normal life do yeah. you have normal life right now Do you have your income? Do you have your, how you you used to live? Not me, no. Not me. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. My life is upside down. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that we need to talk about it constantly.
0: What's the, when you talk about your concern uh, about false, the spread of false information in social media, What's an example of what you're referencing in terms of false information?
4: Um, the other day I received, I could swear to God they were not normal people, they were cyber attack or something like that. More than, jean in less than two hours, more than 70 messages, direct messages on my Instagram that UN people are coming to Tehran uh, tomorrow, the, the committee of UN, swear to God, different mm. formats. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, so much! You have good audience. People are listening to you. Tell, be, be say, let's tell your army. They call my followers. Right, that right. they do this stuff, and tell them to um, go in front of the, the embassy of Switzerland and do protest there. And I'm hmm. like, what? The?
0: Wow! So you, so you got uh, cyber trolled by um, presumably this could be from the regime or something, so, so, uh, saying. That the UN is playing ball is going to Tehran and spread this information.
4: Yeah, and it wasn't just me. I asked a couple of other influencers, Mm. people who I know with high numbers of followers.
0: And who was sending this out? You couldn't tell that they were. They were. I just weren't names or
4: no. I but I blocked like good two hundred accounts that day. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that. Okay, good to know. And I was like, hold on, who announced that they created the team, mm-hmm. the the whole committee? There is no committee. They haven't elected anyone. Yesterday, you, I was uh, last night. I was listening to one of your late the latest podcasts. Yes and uh, there was a gentleman in Oslo. Yes. He, he was, you were asking him yes. about the committee. There was no committee. And second, why you should go? Oh, another thing. It's safe in front of the embassy of Switzerland. You have immunity. You can do whatever you want. No, you can't. Mm. What are you talking about? Uh. And I saw some people spread it that.
0: So wow. how, so, the, so that seems like an obvious one where you could cross check that. But there, are, there is information that comes out that we don't necessarily yeah. know. It comes. A- and and there is an instinct, I mean, uh, certainly on the part of some of the folks I follow, to want to spread it, to say, yeah. you know, this is what's happening. If
4: I don't Especially Google when it? it's
0: particularly alarming information. 100%, or, yeah.
4: yeah. Oh, oh those, those uh, stories with alarm and mm-hmm. ringing the, the bells and stuff like that. Yeah. If I have time, I will Google it myself. I would do my due diligence. Otherwise, I would ask them, okay, send me the post, send me the website, send me the link. I want to see where did you bring this. And 80% there is nothing.
0: What, um, what issues are coming up with your clients, with the people you speak to with oh, respect oh. to uh, the last 10 weeks?
4: And the first three weeks, it was just crying. And I'm not counseling people, I'm coaching people. And it was very, very overwhelming. It was just crying. They would come in front of me, men and women, and, and like I'm doing, we are doing Zoom meetings. Hmm. Just crying. And they had this guilty feeling, mostly it's guilty feeling, mm-hmm. I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. My parents are there, my friends are there, this is that I get, I talk about it, I get goosebumps. And I could understand them, I had the same feeling and now then it came anger right now i'm trying to tell them that all, all i'm telling them that, that we are in the most important part the period of time in the whole in the history of not iran's history but the world's history find your mission instead of crying being angry see what ca- how can you use this energy yeah. and do something Something, even one step, come one step forward. And if you have guilty feeling, it means that you're just draining your energy somewhere Mm. that is useless.
0: Do you think everybody believes that? That it's the most crucial moment in world history?
4: Oh, that, isn't it?
0: Uh, I think it's really, really, I I think it's up there. But I mean, um, I think that's part of the challenge, that there's still people out there rolling their eyes especially the international community, kind of going, well, this will probably peter out soon. You know, they did, they've did done this a few There's times. There's
4: always, there are always those kind of people. From week one, I, I was doing it, I was telling my followers, I told my clients too. I used to, one of my followers created this QR code with mass I mean, his, um, picture, and I spread it in our, my neighborhood my son's school teacher, principal, I had meetings, I still have chats with them. I always go 10 minutes before I talk with parents there. Mm. You know what, you, we need to spread the word. Yes. If I'm miserable, it's not because just in Iran, somewhere on the other side of the world, some people are miserable. No, this is closer than, than your breath. Mm. It comes to you. It will come to everyone in the world, right? And I'm making the p- p- the case like I'm talked to, uh, the other day I was talking to my son's teacher. I told her, I said, you know what? This is the problem of Iranian women there, but in sooner than you think it will be our problem here. Hmm. As you can see in US, they're getting one step at a time, the rise. Right Regressing. St- yeah. Right, yes.
0: Yeah. A, a final question to you. Um, I, I don't know if there's a, a right or wrong answer to this, but you've you've talked about the, the importance of recognizing that we're going to have different opinions. Yeah. We're in a bit of a struggle, it seems to me, about right and right now in, in terms of the diaspora where we know that unity is important. Um, uh, if you ask me, there are some folks out there who are actually sowing the seeds of disunity intentionally to help the regime. Um, but part of where we get in trouble is people yelling at each other because they have different opinions or ideas about yeah. uh, everything from which way forward for the strikes to do we support Team Meli or not. How do, we, how do we fix that?
4: That's a golden question, actually. <laughs> the thing is we should know that we haven't been taught to agree to disagreements. We haven't been taught to respect different ideas. We haven't been taught in our culture, in Iranian culture. Yeah. To, if Jian if so says, that, huh? no, no, well. if Jian says something that I don't agree with, it doesn't mean Jian is my enemy. You know, have you seen that picture that you stand there, I'm in front of you, you're looking at nine, I'm looking at six? Hmm. Right? It's mm-hmm. exactly like that right now. Um, and I have learned in a very difficult way that I cannot convince everyone. But I can be the example I want to be. I can be the one that I, if later on I look at myself, look back at myself, I, I will say I did my best.
0: That so you're it. the coach, what do I, how do I, when I disagree with someone I'm getting angry with them and I'm, I and I want to say, you're not part of the revolution, I don't know what, I mean what? Choose ha, your ha,
4: battles, John. choose your battles. But sometimes it works that I convince Jian, right? Because I see that he uh, he's not pretending he's sleeping. Mm-hmm, he really mm-hmm. wants to understand, right. realize, comprehend, and make a change. But some people, they just want to argue. It's your choice if you want to be involved with this, uh, engage yourself, right? Mm-hmm. We have a certain amount of uh, energy every day, and it's our choice how to use it. But if somebody
0: were to say, I want to, I think we should negotiate with the regime. Who's we? Reforms are possible. They tell me a lot. If somebody says that, like an opinion that I just think is so um, idiotic at this point, you know, or, or not based in any reality. What am I, 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 it doesn't seem right to go, well, to <laughs> let's agree to disagree, No, no, no you're no, no, right, no, no, we no, can no, no. negotiate with the regime. No, it's
4: not, like, it's not like that. It has happened a lot to me recently. People come to me and talk about, I, I made a post about it actually, go, oh, you know what, we should do this, we should do, we should negotiate with, and I always say, who is we? Oh, we, us as people. I'm like, oh, okay. I always refer them to a couple of the episodes of Rogue Media that oh. you have been talking with kids mm-hmm. in the street. Yes. And I say, if someone wants to negotiate, it's them, not you. It's them. Just sitting here, having your tea, having a bite of chocolate and talking about what you want to happen in Iran, does not entitle you, okay? And I always ask them, who is we? You want to do it? Go ahead, negotiate. How can you negotiate? You know, instead of thinking that he's actually going to make the negotiation, that's a problem, actually.
0: Yes, but that wasn't my point. I get your point. That's an important one, Um, which is self-determination for Iranians, and etc., but but inside Iran. But my point was, if somebody says, on the disagreeing opinions thing, if somebody says something that is profoundly at odds, I believe, with this revolution happening or not, how am I supposed to contend with that if, if, if we're all trying to it, it know, really agree to disagree? It really
4: depends who is that somebody. It's really If, if uh, that person is p- part, of, uh, part of your team, you need to reevaluate your values, their values, mm. and if you want to work with them. Mm. But if it's someone that you see in Loblaws in flower shop, you can just pass by that person. You have certain amount of energy in a day. You cannot just waste it on everyone, right? That's how um, and I always say that COVID helped me to filter plenty of people around myself because they were going against, it wasn't about just going partying or not. It was, I'm talking about values. This revolution has done something to me emotionally. Like it's, it has touched deeply inside some stuff about my values. Mm-hmm. I'm so, I can see everything crystal clear right now. I'm not saying whatever I'm doing is right, no. I do as I, learn, I have learned. But regarding to people around me, forget it. If I see a sign, that's a sign. I'm not gonna waste my time on that people. I'm not gonna hang out with those kind of people. And I'm gonna be laser focused on my goal.
0: So Mas, thank you so much. It's nice to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate how hard you've been working on um, trying to help through this revolution. I know a lot of people appreciate that. Thanks for doing this today.
4: Thank you. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart.
3: This dream I'm dreaming Won't you wait This life I'm living doesn't really feel like mine this strange dream I'm dreaming. if I don't we don't feel right never thought Never
0: thought to start again. This is Rook, episode 220, part of our Uprising series for all the previous episodes of this series and all Rook programming. You can go to our website, rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com. This is The Uprising, Dear West, can you offer more than lip service? I want to go to upstate New York now and a very special guest. My next guest is an Iranian-American doctor who came to international fame and social media stardom as an essential medical voice during the COVID pandemic for Iranians around the world and especially those inside Iran. Dr. Kayvon Mirhadi, also known as Dr. K is the Chief of Internal Medicine at the Clifton Springs Hospital in the Rochester, New York area. Dr. Kay has now been offering critical online medical advice to thousands of people injured in demonstrations in Iran. He's also connecting protesters with trusted doctors in Iran. And right now, Dr. Kayvon Mirhadi, Dr. Kay, joins me from upstate New York. Hello, sir.
5: Hi, John. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm all right. Thank you. How are you holding up?
5: good uh, one day at a time you know it's tough but we're um, I, I I'm losing track of time now but it's it's going
0: <laughs> I can imagine it's a 24/7 pursuit uh, for for many of us but certainly in in terms of what you're doing you know I I wanted to just set the stage for what goes on in, in Iran and 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 one of the most troubling parts of this uprising in Iran is is realizing the fact that victims of the regime's crackdown uh, and brutality are fearful of going to the hospital because they may be arrested if they go there I suppose it's a, a bit absurd to try to assess the ethics of what this regime does but there must be international standards about medical care without danger is there not
5: yeah i mean if you look at the geneva convention or world health organization they speak of patient privacy they speak of the right of every human being to access health care at any time um and during the last several weeks that's not really the case in iran um, there people are scared to go to the hospital uh, the doctors are scared to take care of the patients that are injured um, during the protests it's uh, I would I I've been calling it the medical crisis in Iran
0: yeah and I imagine you're not just hearing from the patients or the victims who need your help but from the doctors as well who are caught somehow in the middle
5: yeah it's it's a tough job when you can't do your job you know these doctors so are an oath, um, the Hippocratic oath to take care of any human being at any time with their beliefs, um, sexual orientation, the political, um, um, the political relations, and they cannot perform their duties. So they are conflicted as well. Um, it's not; it hasn't been publicized to a fact that you know you cannot treat patients that are protest like injured protesters, but it's understood. Um, as a whole. So, uh, you know, most healthcare providers in Iran have been doing it, but undercover, uh, a lot of them have been arrested and imprisoned and even beaten up. There's been so many cases of, uh, you know, CEOs and medical directors being in ICUs because they were merely protecting patient privacy. And this this, you know, once the news gets out there a lot of doctors are fearful of doing so. So it's just a horrific situation right now.
0: And, and I think if I, if I remember correctly in my history that even during wartime, even in the most vicious, vicious of wars, um, medical units are generally considered neutral territory that you're not supposed to mess with, right? That you're not supposed to violate.
5: Exactly. I mean anybody injured you have you have the right to get medical care, and that's understood even during wartime. And this is uh, an internal conflict that's been going on for several weeks. And obviously, people get hurt, um, but they're just so fearful of going to the hospital. They come to their house, and if they know a trusted the doctor, they'll contact them. But again, in those, if if we lived in Iran right now, it would be hard to trust anybody. So. Yeah. They've been reaching out to me and my friends and other doctors and nurses on social media and asking questions about their
0: injuries. Okay, so um, speaking of doctors needing to do their job, um, you have a day gig, (laughs) which is a significant one, Chief of Internal Medicine. I would imagine that keeps you quite busy. You've had thousands of people inside Iran reach out to you for medical care and advice. How have you been managing all of this?
5: Um, So I'm not alone. Obviously, there are so many doctors doing it. Uh, My page just has the most um, followers and it's it's seen more. But there are a lot of doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals doing this. And I want to give them props um, for everybody for doing this. Um, But it's been very busy uh, because we also have two kids. Uh, My wife, honestly, she's been helping out a lot. She's um, also involved in the page and she triages a lot of these messages and sends me you know um, the ones that are critical and we we did put out uh, information about including SOS at the bottom of your message so it gets seen first because I still get messages about coronavirus and other illnesses mm. but right now I've been literally responding to um, the you know issues that the injured protesters have but it's just been very 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 busy for us. All right,
0: I love your, that you use the medical terms rather than say she edits. Who you know? You she triages. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess <laughs> well, you're stuck in the hospital. That's the that's the language you're going to use. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, do, c- can I ask you, from your perspective, it seems like, I mean, devastatingly so, horrifically so. It seems like things are getting more brutal in terms of the crackdown. We're hearing more about more deaths. We have situations like zahidan and Kurdistan more recently, um, where it seems like there's just wanton mass killings. Uh, um, We hear about more injuries than we were hearing about and and deaths than we were hearing about in the first two or three or four weeks. Uh, Do do you have any sense of, in terms of the response you're getting, the demand that is coming into your inbox of whether this situation is getting a lot worse?
5: I think what's changed is the uh, reachability of the type of people that are getting injured. Uh, like those areas do not have great access to internet and Instagram and social media. So I'm not able to help them as much. Uh, it's just getting very difficult to reach these individuals. Um, and it's very unfortunate because the health care there is very um, protected to the point that they cannot even bring medication or medical care to that area uh, because the roads have been blocked from any type of transportation. So I I do keep communication with people that live around that area, but you know, they're telling me there's shortage of medical equipment, there's shortages of antibiotics, uh, any type of medication, and they want to send it to them so they can take care of themselves, but they cannot because all the roads are blocked. So people are finding very creative alternative methods of delivery of medical care which boggles the mind that this is actually happening in this day and age but it's those that's really what i've been or a lot of these a lot of us doctors and healthcare professionals have been involved in the last few weeks because the crackdowns are getting more severe in isolated areas where you know we cannot really reach them yeah
0: you uh, you were doing this kind of work uh in terms of Providing online advice and hair and help and care um, during COVID um, was it was was it an obvious or or um, um, natural segue once this uprising began to be doing the kind of work you're doing now?
5: That was more kind of education because you know everybody could still if if they had some severe COVID and they needed to be evaluated by a physician they could simply just walk down the street to the nearest emergency room, um, or they all had doctors where they could go see. Um, So my position was mainly awareness of vaccination and decreasing fear of what a pandemic is and how deadly this virus is. A lot of the Iran, unfortunately, had, I think it was the epicenter of, um, you know, false information, and it would just radiate through the the social media. So I was very involved in debunking myths. Um, But right now it's a whole different game that I'm involved in. And and it's very difficult because at times it feels like my hands are tied. You know, there's so much I can help somebody in terms of their injury. For example, like if you have a first degree or second degree burn, or if you have uh, pellets in your body because you were running away from the authorities, I can kind of guide you towards the first aid and the main things you can do. But if it goes beyond that, like if you get very very sick, um, you go into septic shock, you go into renal failure, these are things I cannot provide. Um, so we've been um, working with doctors in Iran that have been going into these individuals' houses and helping them or hospitals that are accommodating them. There, there are a lot of doctors that are falsifying diagnosis, which again, this is unheard of because it's you could lose your you could lose your license, it's malpractice to falsify diagnosis, but they—they're their hands are tied. They're putting, you know, removing a tumor from somebody's knee where they're removing a bullet. Um, hmm. So everybody is trying to find ways to save lives, to help humanity, um, but they are making it more difficult.
0: Let me ask you about uh, some medical specifics or, or some specifics of what you have to deal with in terms of what you've just said as well. You mentioned pellets. Uh, we hear a lot about the use of pellet guns uh, can you can you describe a little bit about what that is and what the implications of wounds coming from pellet shots are
5: yeah I mean it's just like the BB gun but there's different tiers of them and there's different sizes of pellets and uh, the ones that are are being used most often are bird shots and these include um, with with every shot there are multiple small tiny pellets that essentially propel into the air, and individuals end up suffering from multiple entry points, um, anywhere from 10 to 50 to 100 to 300. And the more wounds you have in your body, the more the inside of your body is exposed to the outside world. And that's when you can get infected, um, your blood pressure can drop, and you could essentially die. Um, And the pellets themselves, they're not like uh, an actual gun like like a bullet from a gun where they can you know break bones or shear arteries but again like depending on the distance where you get shot from they could I mean if it's very close um, shot it could still penetrate like artery and there could be internal hematoma and bleeding so they could be very dangerous I've heard so many of ca- so many cases where people got shot in their chest and it causes something called a pneumothorax where your lung essentially mm. collapses and if you're not treating this right away, it could press on your heart and cause a hemodynamic instability. I, I don't want to use as much medical terms, but essentially you can go into cardiac arrest. So these things, I I, I talk to people that have happened this to them
0: there, because of this there, shot. there also seems to be quite a, a lot of incidents of, of people losing eyes or getting shot in the in the eyes. Is that the, the same pellets we're talking about?
5: Yeah, I mean, if you get multiple... Um, Multiple pellets in your eye essentially, and it injures your retina and or your optic nerve, which is like the large nerve that carries all your you know the images uh, that you see. Then that eye you cannot save, and then there is a risk of infection happening in the ocular orbit. Orbit, so they have to uh, remove the eye completely. So these individuals uh, end up getting a, a glass eye for you know aesthetic reasons.
0: Dr. K., what have you heard, uh, what do you know about, I, I saw one of your posts about it, so I know you've thought about it somewhat. Uh, what, what do you know about this the, the news about gases, uh, um, some kind of poisonous gases or some kind of chemical agent that that has been used?
5: It's not clear because, you know, it's a lot of it is coming from images that people took on their phone. Um, really, for us to know what gas it was, you need Somebody like a chemical engineer to analyze the gas and let us know what's what's inside of it. But there was a lot of um, I think it was last week there was a tweet going going around from one of the uh, protests in the street that there was a green gas and a lot of them compared it to um, chemical warfare. Um, I mean, it's possible that they're using it. A lot of the symptoms that people report to me are not. Uh, typical tear gas symptoms, you know, when they have issues with their breathing, when they have these rashes that appear on their skin, uh, because tear gases were being used even, you know, in other countries, we just did not see similar symptoms. So there's a, there's suspicion that there could be other chemicals used in, um, in these confrontations.
0: We, we've been talking about physical injuries. There's a there's a fair bit of psychological harm happening to people. Do they, Do people contact you about trauma of that of that kind as well?
5: Yeah, I mean, the most unfortunate are uh, I've had s- several cases of women in these protests that they've been attacked and arrested and essentially uh, sexual sexually assaulted or raped. Uh, obviously, these women are all going through psychological trauma. Um, anybody involved in in this movement right now, we'll have PTSD, anxiety, depression, difficulty sleeping, uh, individuals that are arrested and they get released. I'm sure you've seen it. Many of them commit suicide after because yeah. they're uh, unclear what goes on when they're arrested because we don't really know. Kids, but in
0: some cases, teenagers, they've been taken, committing yeah. suicide.
5: I've even had people message me like, oh, my brother just got released from jail and he's just sleeping for, you know, several days or weeks. And I don't know, maybe he was injected with something while he was arrested. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's very hard for me to tell what they're doing to these individuals that are arrested, but it's having serious consequences.
0: I mean, there are lots of people facing horrific injuries inside Iran, but there is something that Iranians are experiencing everywhere in the world. We, Everyone we talk to on this program in the diaspora, uh, and that is... Um, I call it doom scrolling through all the horrible news. And and, uh, there's a lot of insomnia going on. A lot of people, including myself, are having trouble sleeping. You recently posted a video about how to deal with lack of sleep. Can you describe some of what you said?
5: Yeah, essentially, um, from everyday trauma that we're going through, um, we're all going to have issues with sleeping. So some of the basic things that I posted where um, you know distance yourself from your phone Uh, even if that's for a day uh, that's treatment on its own because just getting exposed to daily news that are coming out um, just seeing people's pain and suffering is going to affect your well-being Uh, lack of sleep is not just going to be manifesting itself in you being tired there's so many physiological things associated with with a proper, uh, you know, six to seven hours of sleep every night, so you're going to notice, you know, hair loss, issues with your blood pressure, cardiovascular effects. So sleep is fundamental for all of us to be able to carry on. If our mission is to help the people out of Iran, help this movement, we need to be healthy ourselves. Um, so a lot of things included in that post where essentially that the main point was distance yourself from the news for a, for a day or so to revive but also some practical things like do not eat before you go to bed do not go to the gym uh, half an hour before you want to go to sleep if you can't sleep and let's say you're lying down and you're not falling asleep don't just lie in your bed get up walk around do something else and then come back and try it again I, i'm guilty of that i just lie down for two hours waiting for me to fall asleep and that never happens and then I talked about a few medications that can help. And, you know, the main one is melatonin, which is the safest one to try.
0: You talk about um, people helping uh, folks in Iran, and, and we've seen uh, and you've mentioned that it's not just you. There are other doctors and nurses and um, uh, of Iranian stripes, but also people, doctors around the world stepping up for Iran. You posted a video from a group called Doctors for Iran 22 last week. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you've been seeing in terms of doctors across the globe joining this cause?
5: Um, everyone is unifying and their mission is to help, uh, all the doctors and nurses and, you know, medical professionals around the world. Um, there are a few groups being formed in us and Canada and Europe, and, um, they essentially have WhatsApp groups. They have telegram or Instagram, um, and they want to promote their page in terms of, you know, being able to help people in Iran. The one that I was very involved in is a group called NASA that kind of started in the U.S., but it also has physicians from around the world. And they did come up with a phone number where, you know, they are taking shifts on um, throughout the day, 24-7, to answer that phone. And they, um, you know, allow anybody to call from Iran if they are in a need they can call and they'll be connected to a doctor who's going to guide them towards what to do
0: um i'm so grateful that uh you've given us this time and that um we get to hear your insights and and i know there's so many folks who are following you and appreciating what you do let me end off by asking you a a couple of um, personal questions if i can First of all, I mean, we just talked about insomnia and and the trauma that people are dealing with and and you were prescribing, taking a day off, looking at um, what's going on. That doesn't seem like something you afford for yourself. How are you managing the emotions of dealing with all of this?
5: It's really hard, honestly. It's something I've never experienced in my life. You know, I I grew up outside of Iran. I moved when I was uh, 12 years of age. I grew up in Toronto, Canada. Um, and I, you know, it it was hard for me to connect to what's going to Iran at that age. And then when I got involved with this page over the last three years, it's just accumulating the, I feel like, I feel the, you know, the pain of Iranian people every day. Uh, During Corona, I really felt that because they felt so isolated. They were the, one of the only countries that they were begging for a vaccine. And because of political issues, they were not, you know, they were going to offer them the Pfizer vaccine, but they refused it for, you know, so it just, it just accumulates for me. And over the last several weeks, um, it's very hard to deal with my emotions. Like, I don't, I don't know how, I, I feel like I'm helping, but at the same time, I feel like I'm so far away that if I was there, I would be of more help. So I'm trying to deal with with, with my current emotions and it's very hard. So what I do recommend, whoever asks me right now is to get a therapist and really talk it over with a therapist and talk about your, your feelings and what are your plans. And I, I focus on things that I can accomplish. For example, today, like today for me was to, you know, go to the gym, try to answer questions that people are asking me. And next is to go see my family and do things at work. Um, it's hard to think about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week because everything is uncertain right now. So I would really, my advice would be talk to somebody like a professional therapist. Don't talk to another person who's losing their mind with what's going on Mm -hmm. and then really focus on what you can accomplish today and then worry about tomorrow, tomorrow.
0: Well, I certainly hear you on being a Toronto kid who, uh, um, at least for most of your life and, and who, Feels extremely connected to Iran right now, and is feeling that that connection to the people inside Iran. Tell me what your um what's what's the the hardest part of what you do. I know that doctors are very practiced at um, not getting emo- too emotional because it, it would be a job liability in terms of what you have to face. But uh, have you been crying? Is it are there moments where you it becomes overwhelming even for you? <clears throat>
5: Honestly, like every doctor has cases. So unfortunately, we think very, um, very kind of pragmatic. you know, we think like computer at times we have to, as I use the word triage and, and those medical lingo, we have to think that way because when there's an emergency, we need to, we cannot be emotional and and get too involved with the patient and their family. We have to really think medically how we can save this patient's life. And sometimes we can't, patients will die and Every doctor that you will talk to has, you know, these memories imprinted in their mind of patients they could have saved and they die. And I, I have several during residency when when you're not, you know, when you're still inexperienced, you're taking care of patients. Um, I still remember the face of those individuals that died in front of me that I felt like I could have saved. Um, over the last few weeks, there's a lot of images that, uh, although I cannot, a lot of people don't send me a picture of their face. But I know, I see pictures of their arms and their legs and their stories, and these are kind of um, imprinted in my mind, and it's very hard to forget them. So it just, it's, it's very tough to deal with it. Um, but every day I have to tell myself, like, what I'm doing is, is good. I'm trying to help, and I hope everybody feels like that's what they're doing right now, because the smallest thing you can do will make a difference. Um, and... It's it's hard to deal with it, and uh, yeah, yeah, I've cried so many times. Yeah, it's um, it's. I don't want to say anhedonia, where you just have no connection to the outside world, but I felt that Mm. you know that I see things happening in front of me, and I just have to think like a computer what it was the next step I can do. Um, But I really hope that you know if we all kind of join and we talk about it, and you know we can take a step forward. And hopefully help the people of Iran.
0: How old are your little ones? I have a
5: two-year-old and a five-year-old, and they act like <laughs> they have so much energy, and it's very hard. Does the uh, does
0: the five-year-old is he, are they starting to understand what's going on, or do you try and shield them from that? We
5: we don't yeah we don't allow them to get too involved in what's going on, just because I don't think they would understand. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, my phone is full of images of people's injuries and I don't allow, like my daughter used to grab my phone to look at pictures, now she can't. So we, we're putting limitations on how much they get exposed to these things.
0: Is there, before I let you go, is there something, if I say, tell me about something that's really inspired you, a story or a person or something that you've, you've dealt with that has been such an inspiration for you where, in the last couple of months? Where does your mind go? I think most recent
5: that I actually posted about this last night. Um, I started. I put a. Um, I, I just started scrolling through messages, and I saw this this woman message me about um, donating her eye. Uh, and and we talked earlier about how so many of these young individuals have lost their vision and they're blind. Uh, some of them in both both eyes, um, and that just kind of touched my heart when I read it and, and from a medical side, and I made a post about it, you cannot donate an eye because I explained in my post that, you know, you have this nerve that's attached to it and right now we're not at a level to take somebody's eye and connect it to that nerve because that nerve has millions of small little fibers and, and we think in 10 years we can do this, but not right now. But just the fact that she wrote this message, like me and my husband, we talked about it, we have two eyes and if there's anybody in Iran, that has lost both their eyes were willing to donate one of our eyes and that just melted my heart the oh. fact that we're just the, the people that live in iran they just care so much about each other um that's something you don't really see uh in the western world or in in, in social media they don't talk about that but there's so much kindness and and um what's the word like as hot goes like you know, I don't know if you know
0: give, 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 <laughs> giving of one, giving of oneself. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Just giving up, you know, and and trying to help each other. And that was just one example. And I've had so many of them. You know, I talked about shortage of medication. All these people message me like, I have this medication, I have that medical thing I can donate. I talked about you know, some people cannot afford medical care. Everybody starts donating money. It's just we care so much about each other, and that's the beautiful beautiful thing about this movement that. You know, we all want to just live happily next to one another and help each other. And and really that touched me.
0: Dr. Kavan, I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate the time today. I know you're busy. Uh, Hope to talk to you again soon.
5: Thank you so much, Ian.
0: Bye-bye, Eza. says Rook, episode 220, The Uprising, Dear West, Can you offer more than lip service? Let's go to Germany next. And my next guest has been a human rights advisor and refugee counselor in Germany for over a decade. Para Stufatemi received her master's in human rights from the University of Vienna. She has extensive experience managing projects related to refugees, people with disabilities, and gender issues. She is one of those folks who uh, tends to hold the UN to account as well. Right now, Para Fatemi joins me from Düsseldorf, Düsseldorf, Germany. Hello.
6: Hi dear Jan. It's a great pleasure to be in your program again.
0: It's nice to have you back on the program and it's actually interesting timing because the last time we had you on, it was about a month ago and you were very eloquent about wanting the UN to really step up. So since then, we had this UN special session on Iran last week. What did you make of it?
6: Actually, I was surprised because... Uh, I was attending to the Human Rights Council since 2012 for the first time and as a project officer I coordinated a project for uh, over four years, almost four years, in, in the Human Rights Council in Geneva and Vienna and also continued as uh, independently going there and representing this uh, NGO in the uh, United Nations. We tried, many of us and also many other opposition for many years to get a notice and attention of the international uh, community and the human rights situation and violation of mass violation of human rights in Iran, and we were surprised this time it works out, and they created this uh, a special session, and actually they voted for a resolution, which ended up with a, a fact-finding mission in uh, human rights council.
0: Yeah, it's hard for those of us who don't know uh, this area that well um, to kind of. To understand whether this is a big deal or not. I mean, we've had people on the show telling us it's a big deal. Uh, the UN took a vote and it, it, it seemed like it was important and we saw headlines like UN finally recognizing Iran. Uh, do, you, do you think it's a big deal?
6: Actually, I find it a very important procedure. The United Nations did it for some countries such as Libya and Syria and some other countries so, um, first of all, for a country like Iran, uh, they try to ignore about the human rights violation and people, they don't have access to the independent judicial system. This is very important to um, um, actually um, facting and finding the old prob- uh, issues which has happened and um, uh, going to make his documentation and then you have a chance to prove it and then you can have a chance to show which uh, person was involved in those crimes. We don't have such an independent um, procedure within the country. We hadn't in the past 44 years. We tried a lot and uh, we had some uh, resolution in the past, but never. Has such a possibility? For example, during uh, decade of eighties, it was a mass killing of the um, opposition for the uh, political parties yeah. over five thousand persons. But never they did it. And now recently they create such a, um, a mechanism, which is really important for documentation of the violations which Iranian government they are ongoing They are doing that since especially since sixteenth of September.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, we had uh, Dr. Amiri Mogadam on the show on, on Monday, uh, and I was asking him the same question around this idea of a fact-finding mission and an investigation, uh, and I, they, I don't know if there's any change in the news today, but they still haven't named who the people involved in these missions are going to be, and uh, it seems like a whole process, uh, although I know they've spoken the language of getting this done quickly, et cetera. Uh, it, it feels like for, for those of us uh, waiting in the wings kind of with wanting something urgently to change that that this is a very meticulous but um, slow process. Uh, do, you, do you think that the fact-finding mission is something that is, is going to make a big difference? Um, you
6: know, the expectation from this uh, diplomatic way which we have it from uh, within our community and maybe also some, in some other countries, it's wrong because they expect UN make a steps uh, getting in and due to the rise of sovereignty and many other uh, international laws, this is not possible, we need to find enough facts and uh, proof of the evidence of what has happened. So, um, it is slow, but it's not that slow. For example, as international criminal courts, because uh, I was also attending in an ICC and ICTY in uh, Netherlands, and I saw some procedure. and uh, So we followed and we talked with the um, uh, judicial system there, and we said, okay, this is really long. And uh, till when they want to bring these persons and uh, to which they were accused of the crimes to the criminal co- uh, court, sometimes it takes a really long time. But recently, we saw for Hamid Nouri in Sweden, what the Iranian community and opposition they did. It was really fantastic. They could prove it and now he's sentenced. and he, minimum he can have uh, some justice in the other countries. So this procedure from the 53rd uh, session of Human Rights Council to the 55th is not that long. And the mission uh, they are gathering and they, are, they would be created very soon actually from the United Nations. And they start um, to doing this um, uh, procedure and start their jobs. But uh, Iranian government, they announced they won't collaborate with them. So we, we are not um, surprised. This is something we could expect. It. In the last years, they never allowed us, special reporters, uh, traveling to Iran and getting the uh, independent uh, investigation. And the name of this group actually is an independent fact-finding mission. So. Now, I had another uh, live before, and I also explained that if we ex- uh, expect the um, those uh, groups that are traveling to Iran and Iranian government, they will be present with the, those victims or the family of the victims and recording what they are saying, so they don't have any security. And uh, government also, they ignore, they don't let them to travel and doing the independent investigation. Uh, that's the reason. Um, they can do it also with a distance, they did also for the other countries. And this procedure is exists, but um, it, it's made it a little bit more difficult for them to uh, find the proof, but it's not impossible.
0: And when you mentioned the Hamid Nouri case in, in Sweden, uh, as I recall, that sets a precedent as well that Iranian regime authorities can be internationally prosecuted retroactively down the road for atrocities committed now, right?
6: Exactly. So they are uh, documenting those crimes. Uh, they can also, um, uh, they are going through this procedure. So uh, for them, it's very important to find which a person and which institution they were uh, involved with uh, those crimes and also the human rights violation. So um, this is a procedure, it would be really helping. So some people, they're accused, and they need a proof to condemn them to, for those crimes. For example, we had a, a huge um, discussion in the uh, media, which crimes has happened, is it war crimes, is it uh, c- uh, crimes against humanity. It's not that easy in a legal term to make those definitions, Till when we don't have enough proof. and proof somehow is exists in media, but they need to have the uh, witnesses, they need to have enough proof to can refer to them internationally. So as an opposition or the um, human rights activists, I can say oh, that's easy to say something or some word or some termination, but for them to create a procedure, and uh, in order to internationally, Iranian or um, either international people, they can refer to them to bring those pe- persons to the court mm. in the other countries. They need some documents. And these documents create and did it with a very, very professional job with an experted person from the United Nations. And it's not that long. So this procedure, I find it quite fast and it's not that long. So they are providing this report in every session of the council and the final report would be on the 55th session of the human rights
5: council
0: how do you feel about the terminology being used in media and in and in social media i mean i'm glad you brought this up because i was going to ask you how how we can officially assess what is happening in iran for instance in social media you'll see people saying things like this is genocide uh, and, and war crimes and I, I myself have talked about massacres when it comes to Kurdistan or Balochistan uh, and crimes against humanity. It is, in terms of a, an official lexicon vis-a-vis what's happening in Iran, what terms can we credibly use? Uh,
6: first, uh, as we don't have the possibility of the um, um, transparency and getting the exact data, and we cannot refer to them. Those to lack of information and uh, control by the government. Um, journalists are in jails, many activists are in jails. We don't have any independent uh, non governmental organization. Most of uh, those that are working there are also uh, governmental, non governmental organizations, which they are tr- uh, providing the reports in order to support the states. So uh, getting the info. Uh, When journalists, uh, activists, uh, uh, media, they are all under suppression, it's very difficult to refer to the exact data, but we are receiving the information from the uh, citizen journalists. That means nowadays, uh, due to uh, this chance of getting the social media and having access to the internet, if the Iranian government they let the people Get to the internet. We can receive a lot of information through their own citizens. They don't have any expertise, but they are providing the information. But in the same time, we have this risk to refer to the correct information. Sometimes, for example, for us as a um, p- persons that are working in these uh, violations and crimes, especially, it's very. Difficult Because sometimes they are uploading the, the past um, uh, evidence, for example, it, it was uh, due to the last three years or uh, five years, and we need the exact uh, data when exactly and where it happened and with which person is done it. So, um, some lack of information sometimes exists, but we cannot uh, ignore it. So, Iranian government, uh, they mean it and sometimes they make a misinformation in media in order to make a confusion. Uh, sometimes, for example, they try to um, to destroy the presence of some heroes, for example in media we had people um, like José Ronery for over 65 days being on hunger strike, Then they try to bring the, tem- uh, the topic, if he say the reality, if it was correct, if it's yeah. not, then it, they start to make a division between the opposition, yes. so this is kind of difficulty to receiving exact information, um, but um, I find it now is quite doing quite well we received lots of data so we can we had either proof uh, from the uh, sexual abuses we had the proof of the torture we had the proof of the, um, the rape this is what we have but um a massacre or genocide i can go more for massacre genocide still is a little bit more strong and um for me, generally, what Iranian government are doing in general, they are more for accusation of the crime against humanity. Maybe if we can provide enough uh, information and the, uh, data uh, to the special regions like Sistan and Balochistan and Kurdistan, maybe we can also accuse them to the war crimes. But this is a little bit more difficult.
0: But I mean, if if the New York Times they did an investigation, say in the Balochistan case, and um, and came up with that the fifty three people died in one day, and the New York Times called it a massacre, is that enough, or do we need a UN investigation or something to be able to to to, to know that? Or even with the crimes against humanity, I mean, uh, we just had Doctor K on, and the withholding of medical. Uh, um, goods, medical supplies um, is is a contravention of international law, he was saying. So, I mean, these exactly. things are empirical. We don't have to guess at them, right?
6: Exactly. Um, um, now, what has happened, for example, like the sexual violences or they don't let the uh, prisoners or imprisoned person or injured persons during the uh, demonstration getting the access to the hospital, or are uh, getting the treatment or they don't give them the chance to going to um either getting their medicine we had to uh, for example case of rsd they don't let them to get right. the medicine uh, specifically he has a cancer uh, so they can also bring this uh, exactly accuse them for crime against humanity so do- those are all of these facts they are proof of crime against humanity but uh, what they can do the families and the family member they can shows which person they were involved. Either the some soldiers, either they are involved with this procedure, either the person, for example, the company, they try to make a filtering. They are involved of those crimes. If we can prove the crime, so it's not just belongs to the government or who kills persons or who uh, makes a torture in prison. This is going to every individual who is involved right. for uh, those crimes. So this is really important. And if you make this definition, and people, they realize they are doing a crimes which has a consequences. It's not like Iranian government give them some goods in the end and getting some advantages. So, probably it makes more difficulty for them after a certain time. Uh, and it would be, we guess, it would reduce the uh, crimes in, within the country. All right.
0: Well, before I let you go, I mean, I know you... You you deal in the field of human rights, not just inside Iran, but uh, in different parts of the world. So I I, I wanted to ask you about the, the World Cup. We we all watched, of course, Iran at the World Cup, and there are many opinions about Team Mali. But I want to ask you about the Qatari authorities. There's there's something infuriatingly ironic about a nation that was granted this World Cup despite a global outcry about human rights violations, then seeming um, to violate human rights of people who want to wear women Life Freedom t-shirts into a football stadium. What did you make of the crackdown on any form of dissent when it came to the Iran games over the last week or so?
6: Uh, I want to make some uh, explanation regarding sport. Uh, sport is political in Iran and many other countries. So, football uh, um, uh, championship and actually this uh, worldwide uh, um, uh, football games is also very political. Uh, regarding FIFA, it was many um, in information, many reports, many demonstrations, people in Europe, Western states, Many different countries. They tried to make it clear for the FIFA um, and Qatar make a mass human rights violation. Many workers, they died for the back uh, working condition in Qatar to create the, those stadium and the places for this championship. But they didn't care about this. Uh, I think the money closed the eyes of the politicians and either the people there in the international organizations such as FIFA, so they don't care. And it was so sad, uh, traveling uh, to those countries, Iranian people, uh, they had a t-shirt, they had the flags of the women's life and freedom. It was a slogan of this movement in Iran, or either they were against the Iranian um, football team, uh, national team, because they were um, meeting the president who was involved in those crimes before their trips to Qatar. And um, all people, they were really mad. So Iranian people, they didn't want to, to most of them, they didn't want to uh, watch this match. And also, and they, um, and they, they didn't follow it. And we saw uh, they expected something different. Last night, it was a celebration uh, of the, it was a Tuesday, sorry, two, two nights ago. It was a celebration of the winning USA yes. for Iranian people. Yeah. But Iran is lost. And the uh, government, they shot a uh, people in the in country. They uh, put the people there, um, uh, from the Qatar stadium out uh, in order to make a favor to Iranian government. And FIFA doesn't say any words uh, regarding that. But uh, for your information, Gian, and in my experience in Germany as a country, they love football and many other Western uh, countries uh, in Europe, for example, Italy and so on. Of they don't watch a Qatar, uh, match uh, because of these human rights violations.
0: You feel like a lot of people, even in Germany, are boycotting this. Pardon? You feel like even in Germany there are a lot of people boycotting the World Cup. No, not watching. they
6: don't. Not around generally for the yes. World Cup. They don't because of these human rights yeah. violations.
0: But I guess I was kind of going where I was going with it was: is there is there any reprisal that 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 can exist for? for the way the Qatari authorities have dealt with that that crackdown on dissent? Or is that, that's Qatar, that's what they do, there's nothing we can do about that?
6: Theoretically, maybe some things exist. But in reality, the power of some countries and financial power of some countries unfortunately close the eyes of some international community so to be honest i'm not really expert in that but i'm not a lawyer and i cannot uh, make a comment in that uh, question but i can say maybe as an activist we can create some campaign we can follow up because i think it's very important when something's wrong this happened we are not closing our eyes and going away we need to follow up and ask for some uh response for what they did but um uh, if Legally, we can do it or not. I'm not really expert to respond
0: to this question. Um, So before I let you go, uh, we talked about the UN special session. In terms of that space, UN, NGOs, people dealing with human rights, uh, what do you expect or hope happens next on the international stage with respect to Iran?
6: Actually, I, t- I had some short talks also with a special reporter of uh, Iran, Mr. Uh, Rehman, and uh, personally, I think they need to create um, uh, some procedure very fast, and um, they would be quick and give a possibility to the Iranian people, which they don't have uh, access to the media or they don't know the other languages, to provide the documents and give them some safety mm. and. Uh, some security if they ter- provide the information then they don't find some consequences with the government and getting the, some uh, urgent action providing urgent action we saw for example the UNICEF had some com- uh, speech and some other countries but creating some safety especially for the family of the victims and uh, specifically for the protesters they are at the risk of life because Iranian government they started to uh, give a death penalty mm-hmm. and for mass uh, arrest So we need some uh, urgent action from international community regarding these tortures and death penalty sentences.
0: Parastu, as ever, I thank you so much for this today. Thanks for taking the time. Thank
6: you so much. Bye-bye. Have a nice day.
0: As Parastu Fatemi, the human rights advisor in Dusseldorf, Germany. And this is full time for Rook for today, episode 220. Thank you to the amazing team who put this show together. Savvy Roham Talented Anikita Super Parisa Smart Pega Ahaya Mertat And Groovy Shaya Thank you to all of our guests today And Dario on the Rook Roundtable Thank you to all of you out there For supporting us And sharing our content Please subscribe If you haven't done so already And you can support Rook Through our crowdsourcing efforts At RookMedia.com Just press the support us button To become a patron We appreciate it Find me on Instagram At Giangomeshi Mizumbashi.